Yeah, absolutely. Let's give it up there for Liz. That was great perspective, huh? Yeah. Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here with me today. I'm really excited to be able to uh, just have a little bit of time for a conversation and be able to share with you. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Scott Palmer. I have been... Oh, well, apparently... Some, um, I am... Uh, I've been here for nine years thereabouts, and I currently lead one of the neighborhood communities with my wife, Carrie, if you know her, and also with Dave and Mihi Son, who are down front here. Um, I've also been an elder at one point um, and done various other roles, so I'm really just excited to be able to share with you here today. Normally, our lead pastor, Steve, would be here, but he's having a well-deserved weekend off, and then uh, we were supposed to have Pastor Antonio sharing today. And he called me up on Friday and said, hey, I am really sick, and I can't share, and I have heard through the grapevine that you have spoken before, and sometimes have been called in on very short notice to do this sort of thing, would you be willing to help me out? And I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of times when people want you to help out, they are like asking at the worst possible moment, where you're like, oh my gosh, I have so many other things going on, there's just no way, but I'm supposed to say yes, kind of like what Liz was just uh, alluding to there. Uh, But in this case, it was actually quite the opposite, where I said to him, yeah, I'm happy to help you out. I literally have nothing on my calendar. I don't know how that happened, but apparently that's that's the way it is. So you get me today. Uh, And I hope that works out for you. Everyone's too kind. Um, So we are in the midst of a series called Integrity. And Essentially, we are going to be talking today about how to, be, to have integrity with the talents that God has given to us. And I want to start just kind of reviewing, covering where we've been a little bit, especially as we weren't here last week, uh, as we were off doing Serve Sunday. So our working definition of integrity is the state of being whole and undivided. So think of this as as everything in us being aligned to the same purpose. Think of this from a structural integrity standpoint, more so than maybe a moral integrity that we might be more used to. If you are constructing something and it lacks integrity, it's probably going to collapse and put a lot of people at risk. Now, I love that that we have these words here, whole and undivided. Um, I think that's really great because we are pulled in a lot of directions uh, in, in our modern world, right, in our culture. It's very easy to have things that aren't in very strong alignment with each other. And there's two passages of scripture that I'm always drawn to because they use this word undivided. So we see here in Psalm 8611 where the psalmist writes, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And then in the ever-popular book of Ezekiel, uh, we get the prophet who is sharing what God has spoken. He says, I will give them, and he's referring to Israel, an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And I really like these passages as they both mention this idea of having an undivided heart because they show the desire of the psalmist and of God for us to live these lives of integrity that are aligned with what it means to follow God. Now we've already covered the idea of integrity when it comes to using our time and our treasures for building his kingdom, and so today we get to turn to the talents. And time is, for most of us, really just a matter of making ourselves available and 
theoretically, we all have the same 24 hours, but we all know that there's uh, differences in one's uh, how busy we are and schedules and availability. And our treasures we might think of as, hey, we are giving things away, uh, our finances or what have you. But the talents can actually be quite a bit more interesting, I feel, because we know that we have talents. If we're all honest, every person here today can stop and consider and think about, hey, I have talents, and what are those talents? We may not have fully identified what those talents are. We may have uh, you know, issues inside thinking, eh, maybe I'm not that talented or I'm not as talented as this individual, so there's some comparisons that might take place. And actually, a lot of us may have prior church experiences that, that lead us to believe that whatever our talents are, they just aren't useful in ministry or for serving God and expanding his kingdom. Discovery, we believe that God wants to use our talents to build his kingdom. And so this is an idea that we're working with here. God wants to use our gifts. He wants to use our experiences and our talents, and they all have value, okay? So we get to be creative sometimes in how we get to use these God-given talents. So we're going to turn with me here to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to go into two different stories where Jesus is calling some individuals to be his followers. So the first one is going to be uh, Luke 5, verses 1 through 11, and then after that we will skip down to another passage that is just a little bit later. So if you read along with me here, it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Isn't it interesting to note that Peter's first response to Jesus here is to create a separation between himself and Jesus while using one of his talents, something that we often do. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Skip down with me to verse 27 where we're going to get another uh, passage of Jesus calling someone to follow him. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. All right, I know it's a lot of passage that we've just gone uh, into there, and I'm actually not going to delve all that deep into these individual texts. Because what I really want you to do is see an overarching narrative instead. What I want you to see is that there's a whole plurality of different people with different connection points, with different talents that Jesus calls to him and that he finds to be useful in ministry. And I've included some of those on the screen from this passage, but also from some other passages that occur in other points in the book of Luke. It's non-exhaustive, but I want to just let this illustrate for us a little bit some of the different types who are there. First, we end up with Peter as the main focus in that first passage. These fishermen, James and John, and they are called to be fishers of men. These fishermen, if we really step back and think about it, they are probably uneducated individuals. They're probably relatively simple folks. We might call them you know, the working class or blue collar workers. These are probably positioned very well to reach other people in a similar life situation as themselves. Maybe fishermen, maybe people who are just living in that region or in similar types of trades. We then get to move on to Levi, who is a tax collector, who's probably educated in order to get into the position that he's part of, but more controversially with him, he is going to be aligned with the Romans who are ruling over Israel at this time, okay? So he could likely reach people within the Roman realm or those who might have a, a higher level of education, for example. And this is obviously a very different group of people than who the fishermen themselves could have reached. As we also get to see here, as soon as he responds to Jesus, he essentially throws a big party. He's got a social network built out. He's got some of these types of skills. Some of them have a heavy, more gregarious, more party-ish type people, certainly than me. I, I have a heavy introverted side. Um, so if that's you, great, go with that. Ask yourself, how can I then use that talent and that skill to further God's kingdom? In the next chapter, we get to see which 12 individuals Jesus calls to be his uh, disciples who are like the closest to him, his apostles. And we get this guy named Simon the Zealot. And if you don't know what a, a zealot is, this is basically the antithesis of what Levi is. This is someone who is a Jewish nationalist who wants to overthrow the Roman rule. So I think there is a, a great sense of humor that God has here too of going, hey, let's put a guy on the side of Rome who's a tax collector with a guy who is on the side of overthrowing that and see how that, that you know, mix works together there. Uh, probably important things though to know is that he probably is positioned well to reach people who are disenfranchised, who are struggling under oppression, He's going to reach very different groups than who Levi or these fishermen are able to reach. And finally, I want us to also emphasize that there are a, a number of women who are following Jesus as well. And certainly within this culture, you're not going to find a bunch of men who are reaching out to the women who are there. So this is a, uh, I would call it a fairly unique or unusual arrangement, but one that really shows God's heart 
for all people, for women in this case specifically. And these women are going to be able to reach other women in ways that these men simply are not. There's not a lot of intermingling within that society at that time. Also, you're going to find very different skill sets, right? Different cultural skill sets, different just general skill sets at that time amongst those people. So I want to stop here and have us pause and reflect on a couple of questions before we proceed further. And I have three questions. You don't have to have the answers to them right now, but these are things I certainly hope that you'll be able to take with you when we leave here today. And if you're part of a neighborhood community group, perhaps dialogue about this with some people in that group. First of all, what do you like to do? That sounds really simple. There's nothing overtly spiritual about it. But remember that one of our values here is that fun is spiritual. So think about the things that you actually enjoy doing. Is whatever you enjoy doing, you are probably skilled at, you are probably already spending your time there doing those things. Those can be great ways to connect with others. And so you ask yourself, how do I take these things that I already do and expand it to that next level so it can include others and further the kingdom of God? What skills and abilities do you have? I look around this room and I see skills and abilities in every single person who is here. I see a plurality of gifts. I don't know all of you well enough to know what each of your gifts are, but I am convinced that every one of us has gifts. So think very deeply in this direction to help you uncover things that may not stand out. But you, maybe you don't yet know some of your gifts, or maybe you have gifts, but you've chosen to write them off as being not that useful or interesting or anything like that. Uh, my role on campus, I, I work on campus, I'm a scholarship advisor, I meet with students who are interested in applying to major external scholarships and when I meet with them we usually have these 30-minute meetings where they send me their resume or their CV and then we talk to find what is the alignment what's that connection where we overlap between the candidate and their interests and their skill levels and what the program itself is aiming to do and it's not unusual that in the, con uh, the course of this conversation I might find someone sharing something with me and I will say to them, you know, that's not listed on your resume or your CV. Why not? The most common answer I get is, I didn't think it was important. I just didn't think it was notable or anything like that anyone would want to know about, so I'm not sharing that. I didn't put it out there. And oftentimes what I find is those particular skills are actually way more important than people are giving themselves credit for. And so it's possible that, that each person in this room, or at least a group of us, is doing the same. This third question here, if you weren't a follower of Jesus, what would you naturally be gravitating towards? Think about that. Because we, sometimes in the church, have tended to over-spiritualize different things. And our talents oftentimes get seen as, you know, I need to be talented at maybe prayer, maybe going on a mission trip, maybe speaking in tongues, or something along these lines. All of which are really good things, so don't, don't hear me saying uh, there's anything wrong with those, but 
what they do is they tend to serve really well within the walls of the church. They don't necessarily connect particularly well with those who are outside the church, those who are living in an unbelieving world. So if you think about what you would naturally spend your time doing that is not overtly spiritual, you'll find that it's probably going to be very useful for finding connection points with that unbelieving world and allow you to begin to build out some relationships and have some good conversations. Okay, so I have a couple of things here that I, I this is a non-exhaustive list, but I want to put some things up here just for you to really think about. Uh, of different skills and talents and ways that maybe you can uh, put them into use in some way, shape, or form. But before I do that, I want us to just focus real quick on uh, the difference between a mission and our methods. A mission, kind of like a mission statement of an organization, is really what that organization is about. In this case, it's sharing the good news of Jesus. Or here at Discovery, it's helping people discover the good news of Jesus. That's the overarching meta-narrative of all that we aspire to do. Now, the method is how you are going about doing that. And the method is not nearly as rigid. It's not nearly as important, right? In, it's going to look different from one person to the next. It's going to align with your particular skills. So a few examples that are up here on the screen on, on this slide and the next. Anyone out there enjoy cleaning? Anyone? I sometimes hear people who want to do this I don't understand those people personally, but I'm glad that you exist. That may be the kind of thing that you're like, I don't know, how do I use that to like further God's kingdom? And yet we've got a great example here. Lauren, will you raise your hand real quick? I'm gonna call a couple of people and make you raise your hand, right? So Lauren leads a, a group here that goes into our park around here and does graffiti abatement. Uh, we'll find that oftentimes there's people who are spraying out graffiti and doing things, and frankly, leaving a lot of trash around. And so, here, this can help further God's kingdom as it creates significant buy-in from the city and other individuals in the community who see us doing these things. Anyone out there like food? All right, we get a little more. Right? Oh, that's good. I like food too. So, like, think about how might you use that, right? That might look like you're going to host a meal for someone, right? Like, have people over... Uh, host them. They can be a mixture of people from Discovery and from other places. It might also mean that uh, for those of you who know Brian, I, don't, I, don't, I can't see everybody real well, but if Brian's here, raise your hand. Like, oh, there, oh, there you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he helps lead this homeless outreach that goes out every Sunday morning. And they not only meet with homeless individuals here in the Davis area, but they also provide food. I'm, I'm willing to bet that if you said, hey, I love food, I'd be you know, very excited and willing to help out by providing some food that you can pass out there, he'd be like, I'm down, right? Maybe you make something for your neighbors, maybe you have a block party, whatever. Uh, for those who might have more, let's say, international interests that are here, maybe that's languages or meeting with people of different cultures, I think there's probably a, a fair number of us here in Discovery that this would apply to. Think about how you might get involved with something that's already here in the city. Uh, if you look at like the International House that's right next to UC Davis, they have conversation hours. They have conversation partner programs. They literally have people who will come here from abroad, spend maybe a year here, who really want to meet some people who live in this area and forge connections. Uh, this is a wonderful opportunity to go ahead and just meet with some different individuals, get to know them, share the gospel with them, as some of them may not be in areas where that is commonly done. 
Uh, for those who might be more inclined towards health professions or something like that, maybe you, you pull together a group who does a 5K or you know, get some people involved in doing a blood drive or something along those lines there. There's a myriad of ways we can help out. And you'll see I've got a couple more listed on the next one. Anyone here into hiking? Hikers, yes? So I think, I, Reed, yes, there, Reed over here. Reed's like Mr. Hiker, right? So Reed's a great person to really think about how do you invite other people along to go on hiking journeys. Again, sometimes it's helpful to just get out and about and do things together as individuals that will lead to this deeper relationship. It doesn't have to be anything like wildly spiritual or wildly different than what you are doing in your natural life. If you like to do board games, I know I saw Jason Huang here earlier, but now there we go, you're in the dark. That's why I can't see you. That's who, for sure, talk to Jason. He will bring you together on how to make this happen. Maybe you're into gardening, you can do a community gardening program. Sports fans out there, host a watch party. A lot of people will come together for this type of thing, especially if you combine it with the people that like food. They will show up, right? Uh, maybe you're into education or teaching. Ask yourself how I might get involved with mentoring someone, uh, doing some tutoring or something along these lines. Loads of other things, like I said, it's not exhaustive, but maybe you, you do knitting or art or bird photography or metalworking like my son does. How might you use this to uh, go ahead and further God's kingdom? I will say, uh, Elijah, my son, he and I were taking a walk two nights ago when I just learned that I was doing this and we were talking about skills and talents, and he, he made a comment to me. He said, Dad, you're not exactly the most hands-on person. And... <laughs> The thing is, God gives us teenagers to speak truth into our lives <laughs> um, because, and Pong, I am not the most hands-on person. That's not who God made me to be. And part of thinking through your skills and talents is analyzing exactly that. Who has God made me to be? Both in terms of what am I good at and I enjoy, what do I want to avoid? <laughs> Right? Like, there are things I'm like, if you ask me to sit down and work on a bike or something like that, nope, this is a bad idea. I don't want to do that. I feel zero sense of confidence in that overall. God has created me to think deeply, to see the big picture in things, and to invest in the successes of others. And I really enjoy doing this through one to one conversations, sharing perspective, sharing the kinds of things that I see. That is a skill set. That is a talent. It has been cultivated over time, and it is given by God. My son, on the other hand, if you look, most Sundays, and I'm willing to bet today after service, he'll probably be up here on stage helping take down the drums because he knows that it's helpful. He is very hands-on. And this is the other big thing. He enjoys doing it, Right? Fun. Here are a couple more is spiritual, okay? And to me, that's a great example. I want to share a couple more uh, scriptures before we kind of bring this in for a landing here. There are a few things that, that the Apostle Paul writes to various churches, and these first couple really talk about how you can be a body with different members, and thus 
it illustrates the idea that while we are one big collective here, we've got a lot of unique talents and gifts. So in the book of Romans, chapter 12, he writes, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Right? Again, more maybe, you know, church-oriented, spiritually-focused kind of gifts that he's mentioning here. But the point is there are a lot of different gifts. So think about how you might use those. Moving on to the church in Corinthians, he writes, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Think about that. Have you ever wondered with your own gifts? Are these, like, maybe I wish I had different gifts? God has actually created you uniquely, with the gifts that he specifically chose and instilled within you. It's just the way he wanted it to be. Finally, in the book of Colossians, Paul writes, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So see what it is that we are doing. You're volunteering, you're, you're using your talents, you're using your gifts. It may seem easy to say, I'm just picking up trash or I'm just cleaning graffiti. But in the end, what you're really doing is working on this with it in view that you're doing this for God in order to further his kingdom. So I want to bring this in for a landing with a couple of final thoughts. First of all, like I said uh, just a moment ago, every person in this room or if you're you know, listening to this online has gifts. Every person has talents, they have gifts, they have abilities, and have not yet previously been recognized, but they are valuable. And there are ways that we can hopefully draw this out to understand what is really going to work here well for you. Your talents can actually be at different stages of development. That's really okay. It's easy for us to sometimes compare and say, wow, this person is able to do this better than I am, so maybe I shouldn't do that, right? And I, I want to encourage us to not make that level of comparison because no one gets to where they are just by natural talent and no cultivation, right? If, if someone here was, say, a first-year undergrad who aspires to go into medical school, and then they looked at a mid-career doctor and said, well, they just know more about medicine than me, so I guess I shouldn't pursue that, that wouldn't make any sense, right? It doesn't mean they should be a practicing doctor and, and trying to, you know, do surgery or anything like this, but it does mean that they would still want to pursue building out and cultivating that skill set seeking out mentors, knowing people who would be able to help them get to where they aspire to be. So it's okay if you're at the beginning of your journey, middle of the journey, wherever you are, just use the talents you have based on where you are. 
Finally, I want to just say that there are a lot of different ways to get involved. Some of those are right here at Discovery, so they're going to be a little more internally focused on how we serve the church here. Uh, certainly, when you are finished here, I would encourage you, if, if you are interested in any of the following things, to go out to our connections uh, tent, fill out one of our connection cards, or just speak with someone who is there about interests as we you know, certainly could use people on hospitality teams, uh, on kids teams, worship, production, generosity, any number of different teams, okay? But also, you might hear that and go, those all sound great. They still don't sound like the correct alignment with me, with my specific interests and goals. What do I do? I'm going to tell you that what you ought to do is set up a meeting with someone who's on staff. That could be Steve. That could be Antonio. It could be James. Uh, or, or talk to one of our elders. Elders here, raise your hands, yes. Uh, a couple of our elders who are here and here and all the way in the back. Go have a conversation with them. They would love to talk with you in order to help figure out and draw out the ways that God has uniquely gifted you and that this can be used to further God's kingdom. Will you pray with me? Father God, I, I want to just say thank you for your love. Thank you for taking the time, Lord, to uniquely create and shape each and every one of us. Yes, Lord, all of us probably have our own deficiencies, but we also have talents, and they are talents, Lord, that you have, have given us and created us with and placed within us, and that they aren't, Lord, purely for our own selves, but that they are things, Lord, that you find to be useful in sharing with others. I know, Lord, maybe there's a, a lot of ways we've overlooked how we can use these kinds of talents and gifts in order to be generous, in reaching out and loving others. So, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit and show us, Lord, ways that we can use the talents that you've given us to reach that coworker, to reach that friend, to reach that neighbor or our enemies as well, Lord? Help us to build out those bridges that we need, Lord, to build to further your kingdom. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We praise you in Jesus' name.